in John chapter 8, we're going to go through 1 through one through 12. I just want to read 1 through 11 real quick. Father, we thank you for our time in worship and answering our prayers. We thank you for rejoicing with what you're doing through Robert going to Mexico and all the things that you're doing here. Um, God, we ask that you would, uh, that we would be led by you, empowered by you to do all that you're calling us to do, Father. Um, we just thank you for our time in the Word this morning and ask that you would bless it in Jesus' name. John chapter 8, verse 1 um, says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And we're going to stop right there. This is a, a story we're very familiar with in John chapter 8 of the woman caught in adultery. And there's a few you know, interesting things found out. It's uh, very early in the morning. So, so the scribes of Pharisees, how, how did they know what she was doing and where she was at? And you know, we, we don't know, but, but they caught her in the very act of adultery. Now, in, when we read the Old Testament, that is one of the things that, is wor- that was, uh, the punishment was actually stoning. And they would stone to death those that were caught in the act of adultery. Find that in, Levi- in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And, um, but they would stone both of them. Where's the man? If, if she was caught in the very act, there should have been somebody with her. Um, kind of interesting. So, but he's not to be found. So we, we do believe that this was, was true, though. We, it was not just a true account. That, but th- we don't think they're making this up. They're using this as an opportunity to trick Jesus, to trap him. People do the same things to us Christians all the time. They come up to us and say things like, well, you say Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, what about the pygmies in Africa? And, and, and you, huh? And, and it's it's a way they're they're looking for an excuse. The people are looking for a way out. They will bring up uh, interesting interesting things. They're trying to trap him, so they bring this woman and they bring him. Now Jesus is sitting in the middle of a group and he's teaching, sitting uh, uh, from sitting a uh, sitting down position, which is the way the rabbis would teach in the synagogue. So he comes in and he sits down like one of the other rabbis, which is a brave and bold move on Jesus because he knows they don't like him. They're looking for ways to trap him, but he's going to continue to preach. He's going to continue to, to show the people that he is the Christ. And so right in the middle of this, this time where he's beginning to teach, they bring the woman, they accuse, they accuse her publicly. Now, this is a very serious thing. When, when they would accuse somebody of doing something that required stoning, there was two or three minimum witnesses that knew for sure that they saw this thing happen. 
that were required for the stoning to take place. And then they, they would be the ones who would cast the first stone. Okay, that, in other words, you're going to accuse somebody of doing something, let their blood be on your hands. You're not, I mean, that's a very hard thing to cause the death. And all of those the witnesses would be part of the group of stoning. But then the whole assembly, if they, whoever was there, they would get the whole assembly involved in this act because it was everyone agreeing that what they were doing was unrighteous. So it was a very serious thing. Some countries still do this today. And... And so they would come out and they would accuse the woman. And so they were, they were wanting to do that with this. So Jesus, rather than talk about whether or not that's Barbara or anything else, he gets down on the ground and he writes. Now, we, this has been the, the question, what on earth was Jesus writing? And everyone has different opinions. There's a lot of, you know, thought, well, he was writing the Ten Commandments maybe. Or, or you know, which is possible. I, I, I think that possibly he was writing either the commandments or specific sins that he knew the people were involved in. You know, as he got down to write, wouldn't that have been interesting as these zealots, these who wanted to cast a stone at her for sinning, and maybe they had a sin, and Jesus writes their sin in the dirt, and they look at it, and they go, ooh. Because then he says, you without sin cast the first stone. And, and the story is, is interesting. Uh, I was having this conversation with Norm yesterday as we were talking about this. And yeah, who, who left first? The older people. Those that are wiser. Those that have already dealt with some of their, their uh, bravado. They were the first ones to leave going, you know what? How can we cast a stone? And it's those young, this us, you know, I'm I'm more on the older side at this point. But the the younger people who who they wanted, they held on to the very end going, no, we need to punish this woman. But Jesus is showing here that it's not about punishing at all. I've got a a real quick video we're going to show. And uh, Zach's going to hit the lights for us. And this is really short, but I think you'll, you'll enjoy this. Jesus' point of this whole thing is wrapped up in this real quick video. Has a fractured fibula, given mild sedative, so he can be able to go home tomorrow. Daddy's gonna be so excited. That killed him. You know, you talk about, we don't want to judge too quickly. And, and, and we, that's not what we're called to do. Um, and, and we've gotten into trouble when we've judged and made uh, accusations without understanding. And, and actually, this is not what was happening with the people. They, they, they said, we caught her in the very act. They saw her doing it. And, and it required eyewitnesses in order to bring a, an accusation or a judgment. And you know what? I think in the church, not that we should practice the stoning part, um, but in the, in, the, in the church, we should be doing the same things. Even the Bible talks about that. Often we hear a rumor, we hear something going on, and, and we, we jump to judgment. There should be no judgment. There should be no accusations, especially to go off publicly without proof. And there should be two or three witnesses. And, and they even said that they, she was caught in the very act. It wasn't like, we think because she walked out of his house. 
Well, walking out of a house isn't being caught in the very act. And so as Christians, we need to be doing the same thing. We're not called to bring accusations. Now, we are called to judge. When, when there's a real sin, and we know that there's a real sin, and we can talk about that with brothers in the church. In fact, the Bible tells us that if, if, if there's a brother, somebody who calls himself a Christian, and they're caught in sin, we're supposed to go to them and restore them gently. We're supposed to help them get out of their sin. You know, I believe that Jesus doesn't call, he, Jesus calls us to reflect his glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about how we reflect his glory. In Matthew chapter 5, it says that we are supposed to be a light to the world. You know what it doesn't say? That we're supposed to be microscopes and magnifying glasses. Looking at everybody like this. Looking for these things. Jesus is, this whole sermon, this whole time is about, that's not what he did. In fact, he says, listen, I'm not even saying she didn't sin. But why don't you guys... Without sin, stoner first. Let's get on the same place. This is not what Jesus came to do. In fact, John 3.16 gives us why Jesus came into the world, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believeth in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Does anyone know verse 17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him might be saved. And it goes on to say that those who believe in Jesus are not condemned, but those who don't believe are condemned. Does anyone know the next word? Already. Already. They're already condemned, not because of their sin that they just committed, but because they don't have Christ, they're condemned already. We are not the sin police. That is not our job, to be the sin police. Our job is to point to eternal life, to point to the mercy and grace. Now, we need to read the whole counsel of God because we can get off onto this side, which is highly judgmental, or onto this side, which is everything is permissible, everything is fine, don't worry about the sin, don't judge, don't ever talk about that. Jesus did it so well, I'm so surprised. He talks about it. He doesn't bring condemnation to the woman. He says, in verse 10, verse 10, 11, he says, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? Now, the word condemned, it's actually, as you're reading, it's the same word for judging, but they add a a beginning part to it, and it changes the meaning. The word judgment is krino uh, in in Greek, but they add a first part that's katas, K-A-T-A in English. Katakrino, which means a, a judgment upon. So, so there's a judgment that, that's made, but now she's saying, has nobody cast judgment upon you for what you did? Where are your, has no one condemned you? He didn't say, see, you didn't do anything bad. It's okay what you were doing. He says, has no one condemned you? Neither do I. And he doesn't stop there, does he? What does he say next? Go and sin no more. See, sometimes we're heavy over on this side. Judgment, judgment, judgment. Bad, bad, bad. Sometimes we're over here. It's like, don't worry about it. It's okay if you keep doing that. And Jesus is like, listen, there is judgment. And if outside of Christ, you're condemned already. In Christ, you're not going to be condemned. But go and stop sinning. Don't keep doing it. 
He said the exact same thing in John chapter 5. We already went over it. When, when Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda and he healed the man, the paralytic, and he took up his mat and he says, go and sin no more lest something worse fall upon you. So the message of Jesus is very clear. There is no judgment condemnation in Christ. It doesn't mean that there's not a, a judgment saying what you're doing is wrong. See, see, there is a difference between condemning somebody, casting judgment and telling them this is what's going to happen to you. You're condemned, you're bad, and saying sin is sin and this is sin. That's okay to say. We need to know when, when it's appropriate. We're not, we're not to go out and do it. In fact, if, when you're reading the New Testament, Jesus, I can't find any place that Jesus went out looking for sin. He wasn't walking into crowds going, oh, there's a good one. What you're doing is wrong. He didn't say that. But yet he dealt with the issue of sin in people's life. Most of the time, the, the, the things that he was doing, he was just living life and people were coming to him. And he would minister. But what, most of the time he was ministering healing and salvation and, and, and health to the brokenness. In the process, he would say, but listen, go and sin no more. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. I'll give you life. That's our job, church is to reflect Jesus, to reflect His grace, His glory, His mercy onto people. That they might know that there is a different way, a better way. We're not called to be the sin police, but we're called to point to Him. He says, go and preach the gospel. The gospel is good news. Do you realize that most sinners know that they're a sinner? You don't have to tell them. Most people know that what they're doing is not right in God's eyes. You don't, it's not a revelation. Now, there are people who, who don't understand all of their things that are going on, and God will reveal that to them. I remember in Guatemala, Jan Reese, who was there before us, was telling us about a woman who we had met, but when she first came to Christ, she was Taiwanese. And, and Jan Reese was trying to share the gospel with her. And, and they came to the point of that she needed a savior. She says, well, why do I need a savior? He says, well, because you've sinned. And she says, I've never sinned. Well, you know, and I've, I've met people. Well, the things that I do, they're not sin. In our home growing up, we didn't grow up um, with, with, you know, strong, strong Christian values and everything. But we had one thing that was really, 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 really impressed upon us. None of us, we knew that you don't hurt other people. You don't steal, you don't lie to people, you don't break their things, you don't, you know, anything outside. Those things we knew were bad, but anything internal, we didn't really know was bad. You know, I mean, so, so the sins within ourselves, we didn't know that they were necessarily bad. So, so we could have been in that same, and you might be in the same, you know, I didn't really know that that was something that God cared about. There are people, so, so Jan, in her wisdom, she says, you know, why don't, why don't you go home and pray and ask God if you're a sinner? Isn't that interesting? To ask God if God thinks they're a sinner, rather than us telling them what a low-life, good-for-nothing sinner they really are. Because <laughs> we're pretty good at that. 
Why don't you go ask God? So this woman, she went home, and a couple days later, it was hilarious the way the story went. She came back all excited. Jen, 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 I prayed, and God told me I'm a sinner. (laughs) And so she was able to accept Christ because she had to repent of her sins. And apparently, this ran in her family because Helen, a few days later, was talking long distance on the phone to Taiwan to her dad, and Jan only heard Helen's part of the conversation. And Helen goes, but dad, ask God if you're a sinner. <laughs> so this was a family trait. See, see, people know. People know, and when they don't, God has the ability to bring that. We can help it along, but it's not about pointing a finger and bringing the magnifying glass with unbelievers or even with believers. See, we're not here to, to help people take a shower so then God give them, give them a bath. See, God's going to do the cleanup. We introduce to Jesus. We talk about our need for him and, and we point the direction. And that's what Jesus was doing. Is there no one to condemn you? Well, I think she kind of knew. She wasn't in a good spot. It was clear. He said, I'm not, I don't condemn you either. But don't do it anymore. Now, verse 12 brings it all together in the why. Jesus spoke to them again. And he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, this is, this is what it comes to. It's, listen, I don't condemn you. Your accusers have left. They're not going to, to condemn you. I mean, literally condemned to death. But it didn't mean that what she was doing was right. Jesus said, then he says, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me, who follows me, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And I believe, whether this is exactly how this is written or not, I I believe the principle of God, it's, it's clear throughout the scriptures, as we would read it, we, we may have read this the wrong way. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. I've always read it like, because we're close to Jesus and he's lighting our path and now we have light and we're not walking in darkness anymore. And I, and I read it differently this time and, and I said, wait, as I follow Jesus, I stop walking in the darkness. As I follow Jesus, I stop walking in the darkness because I'm following him. As I'm close to the Lord, he's able to show me what's wrong. He's able to convict me of sin. I can say, God, am I a sinner? And he's going to say, you bet you are. And he's going to deal with me. And he's going to convict me. In fact, he says that the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of our sin. Now, occasionally... We're called upon as, as, a, as believers and strong believers and those who really love and want to help somebody. Occasionally, we are called to walk alongside of a brother, not an unsaved person, and help them with their sin. 
usually that's going to be something that they already know of and they're already struggling with and they know it's bad and it's time for us to go and say, listen, I know what you're doing. God doesn't want you to do this. You know that God doesn't want you to do this. I want to help you. If somebody is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should go and restore them gently. Restore being the key word. And we can go into our lives, many of us in this room, and say, I have not done it that way. I went to people to tell them how bad they were and that they should stop doing what they're doing. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to restore. We're called to be the light and go into dark places and show the love of Jesus to people. And as, as they begin to know him, as they make a choice to follow him, they'll begin to not walk in darkness anymore because they're following the Lord. Now, I'm going to try to draw a picture, and I don't know if this is going to work very well. Norm's probably saying, don't do it, Pastor Rob. Don't do it. We were talking about this yesterday. I said, yeah, you know, have you ever been in a dark place and there was a bright light in front of you? How easy is it to find the trail when there's a bright light in front of you down the ways? Isn't it actually harder to see the trail? You're like, turn down the light! Because you can't see here. We are outside of Christ and sometimes inside of Christ. We're opposed to Christ. Jesus is the light of the world and we stand opposed to him, head to head. It's hard to follow somebody when you're going head to head, when you're opposed to them. But if we can understand that we're supposed to follow Jesus, who's the light, as he leads the way, the path becomes bright because the light is in front of us and we're following it rather than coming against it. Get behind Jesus. Don't get in front of him. Don't face off to him. Don't confront him. Follow him. And as you follow him, he will begin to light the way and you'll begin to see where you should walk and you won't walk in darkness any longer. And you'll know. And if you get too far back, the path starts getting dark. We used to go out into the woods in the middle of the night. My mom doesn't know this. (laughs) We would... We would go, I was in sixth grade over on Rain, we lived on Rainbow, and Jeff Fisher and I would hike up in the middle of the night up beyond Tanglewood Trails, and we would walk through the, th- through the mountains, and then for fun, we would do it without flashlights. <laughs> but when you're following somebody in the dark woods with a flashlight, and you get too far behind, you can see them way up there, but you can't see where you're going. Don't get far away from Jesus. Follow him. Be close to him. Where he goes, his light is going to light up the whole way. You know, even with a flashlight, let alone a lantern. See, in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. There's two different words in the Hebrew used for that. One is, is, is like a what we would maybe consider like a flashlight. It was like a beam of light. And it showed far, farther up with a flashlight. You can take and show, and you can find the trail 100 feet in front of you with a good flashlight. And it kind of shows, oh, there, the trail goes up there and it goes to the right. But if you're pointing up there, you can't see around here. So the other one is a lamp unto my feet is the idea of a lantern. 
And so his word is also a lantern. Well, lanterns are great for finding everything all around us, but not so good if you don't know where you're going. And his word is both. It's a light to the far away. It shows us vision. It shows us direction. But it also tells us it's a lamp to tell us that there's dangers right where we're at. Jesus is our lamp and our light, and he is the word, and he's going ahead of us, and he lights up the path. But even with a lantern or a light, and it's amazing when it's really dark, and, you, and I, if you can't tell, I like camping. I like outdoors. And you get, the flashlight has a little, it's got a bright light, but it has a ring of light around it. And when you move it around when it's really dark, you can see the ring of light. And, and if you're holding the flashlight here, there's a little bit of light behind you. Same thing with a lantern, but don't get too far behind because the light goes away. And now all you know is that there's light over there, but I'm in the darkness. Church, has that ever been you? I know where the light is, but I'm lost. You got to get close to Jesus. That's the only way you're going to have light. That's the only way you're going to go. And you know what? That's what the world needs. The world needs you to help them to get behind Jesus. We take Jesus like a big flashlight and hold him up to people and say, Look, you're a sinner! And all we do is go, ah! And that's what they do. Isn't it true? We hold our self-righteousness up, and we hold everything up and say, you're bad because the Bible says this is what you're supposed to be. And they basically scream at us, and they're angry. Well, you shine a flashlight in my face, and I'm going to be angry too. But if we say, I can help you find your way. And there's grace and love and mercy for you today in Jesus. And and he doesn't condemn you. Inside you can think, that's because you're already condemned. I mean, these people who don't know Jesus don't realize they're going to hell. Not because they sin in a particular sin. They're condemned already and they need a savior. We don't have to pick on sins. They're condemned. We were condemned. It's possible you're sitting in this room today and you go, I'm condemned. I've never called on Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I've never repented. And we've talked about that. Repentance doesn't mean just stop doing what you're doing. It means to agree with God, to change the way you think. Get behind Jesus. Stop coming against him saying, I think I should be able to get drunk. And I think I should be able to smoke my pot. And I think I should be able to do this and that and the other thing. Stop getting in Jesus' face and say, I'm going to get behind you. And if you tell me I'm not supposed to do this, I'm not going to do it because he's got so much more for us he's got so much more and he's got so much for those who don't know him he's got so much for the person you encounter in the in in the grocery store or at starbucks he's got life and mercy and grace And we're supposed to show them love and life and grace and hope that's in Jesus and stop being the sin police. And now together I want to do this. Church, it's not about doing the right thing for God. It's not about cleaning up your act for Him. You can spend your whole life trying to stop doing bad. And if you succeed, you'll just be tired and successful but there won't really be a change. But if you let Christ come in, follow him and let him change you from the inside, change you and and go with it. I mean, it's not easy. It's not like just let God do it. It's easy. It's hard. 
And there's going to be times you're going to be tempted to pick up that sin again. But you follow Christ and say, no, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I mean, faithful, it's done out of a relationship. And that's where life is. That's where mercy and grace is found. And that's the mercy and grace we need to help others see. He gave it to us. And, and if you don't feel it this morning, I need to soften my voice so you can feel it and hear it. There is grace. There is love. There is mercy. We don't have to do better. We just have to follow the one who is better. He's everything. And as we do that, our life will change. Your life will change. But there's a lot of trails. There are a lot of trails that we come up to. And sometimes we go, you know, this trail, I I, I can see, and it looks like it just goes around and comes back and meets up with this trail. You know, I think I'm going to go ahead and take this little trail for a while. No, there's, Jesus didn't take that trail for a reason. Don't take it either. Don't say, you know, I know this is where he's at, but I think I can do this. Just follow him. Trust him. Give him your life. And he's going to lead you in the right way. Not always the easy way. But he's going to lead you in the right way. Used to go whitewater rafting. And why are you laughing? <laughs> Don't I look like a whitewater rafter? And we used to do, we used to, I, I love whitewater rafting. We do class, class five rapids. That's the highest possible, you know, rapid legally to raft. And we do class five rapids. And there were a couple of times that we're like, we're on the river and everything looks good. And they say, oh, and then, then they pull off. You know, and, they, and we eddy out on, onto the side and, and we come over and they say, okay, we're going to, we got to get the boats. We got to carry them. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we're going to carry them. Well, how long? For about 150 yards. I'm looking out. Why? This river looks great. Is, oh, it looks good now, but in the, just around that bend in about 75 feet, it's impassable. So we're going to go this route. Well, you know, always. Oh, it, see, it seemed like, okay, so we're carrying these rafts, and then all of a sudden we're walking, and then we have to go up a hill, up rocks, and we're carrying the raft, and we're climbing, and we're like, what are you doing to me? And we climb back down the rocks and we bring the raft and then we put the boat back in. The climb was difficult, but the river was about to kill me. That's the Christian walk. You know this, oh, it's just great following Jesus. Hogwash! Sometimes it's the hardest thing you can do, but if you don't follow him, you're going to die! Don't die in the river when Jesus says we're going to do something difficult today. That's for us, but we need to take this message to others. We need to take the message that we know, we've heard, and we keep hearing and bring the same message to those that need Jesus. I don't know what happens in these thick schools of ours. We can sit sometimes in church and hear how, you know, how much God loves us, and we can feel his warmth and his grace and we worship oh it's wonderful and we go out and we start telling people how bad they are and how bad their sin is what's wrong with us god help us take how you feel in christ and let the world know what he's done for you 
And if, and if you're still under the law and under this, this bondage, and it's bondage, I was going to try to lighten it up of having to do the right thing, then spend some extra time in prayer and find freedom because that's not what it's about. And then take the message of God loves you and he's got a purpose for you. And even though you believe you enjoy the life that you're in now, God's got something that's better for you. It's, I didn't say easier for you. My wife is trying to help me eat healthier. It's horrible. <laughs> Last week, Orville, and he's not here, I wish he was here, he summed it up. We were talking about the snack table. And I'm not going to let Shannon come near the snack table. Don't worry. <laughs> It's still going to be junk food out there. We, we want that on Sunday morning. No. But I was talking to Orville, and he says, oh, my doctor said it real simply. He says, if it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> my wife and the doctors know that there's something better for me. Eating healthy is better for me. I'm going to feel better. It's not going to always be easy. It's not always going to be the the pleasant thing. In the moment, a double cheeseburger is going to sound really good. In fact, we're going to close in just a moment. (laughs) But but like that, God has got something better. Now, Now, this morning, and this wasn't, I mean, I've had some really, really yummy good food. Thank God. This morning, I had a smoothie with, with it was all natural. A banana, some antioxidant berries, and some, some, some you know, really good strawberries. Some kefir. Who remembers kefir? Kefir is like a liquid yogurt. It's probiotic. It's really, really good for you. Shannon can tell you how to make it home for home. It's really good. Kefir, all these natural things, a little bit of agave syrup, just a tiny bit because it was already sweet, and, and organic soy. I can't even believe that I say soy and eat in the same. But I, and I, I consumed this, this amazing, amazing smoothie. And, and Zach ate it with me. Actually, Zach eats healthier than I do, so he's a bad example. But he loved it. See, I would have thought, no, there's, if, it's, if it's good for you, I'm not going to like it. It's that, yes, you know. But no, I'm learning that you can actually, that the, I can really enjoy eating and being healthy. You know, you can actually enjoy following the Lord, not doing the things that he convicts you of won't be the end of the world. But it's going to be hard at the beginning. But as you follow him, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be open up to you. We're going to climb San G at the end of summer. Pray for me. I was really dumb. We were going to do it next Monday. And I went, I'm an idiot. And so we're, we're going to do some short hikes and prepare. Can I say idiot on the recording? We can edit that out. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to prepare all summer long. and Because I'm, I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to start walking. And I don't like to do any of those things, but it's going to be good for me. And I'm going to have a great hike with my kids up San G at the end of summer. What is Jesus calling you to do? 
He's got a plan for you that's going to be hard, but it's going to be awesome when you get to the top of the mountain and you made it because you followed him. Instead of rolling around in the same mess you roll around with all the time. He wants you to get out and he'll lead you if you follow him. And then again, take that same thing to those that you come in contact with. Point to Jesus. Help them to find Jesus. Find life and say, you know, as we follow, I'll help you. We'll follow Jesus together. I'll put my arm around you and we'll go there. He's got something better. Well, do I have to stop doing this? No, you don't. Not until God tells you to. Don't be the sin police. God's good at convicting people of sin. Amen? How long does he, has he let you in your sin? Sometimes for a long time. Then all of a sudden, and you go, oh, you want me to stop that? It's time now to give that up. He knows how to do it. We need this message. I need this message. But beyond us, this world, this valley needs this message today. They need to know there's hope and there's life and there's something really good. And the church is not full of people of religious nuts and flakes and all of these things. You know, we're not the granola church. But the church is full of people who just love God who've allowed God to change them, give them a hope and a future, and introduce that same hope and future to them. And those that will get us alongside of and put their arm around and say, and I'll walk this walk with you. Can we pray? Father, this morning, we know that we're sinners. We know how we fall short. But we thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, I thank you that there is no one besides the enemy who can condemn me and I don't listen to him because you did not condemn me. You gave me life and hope. Father, you came into my, our lives. You transported us from this life to eternal life. And God, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. God, I would pray though that you would continue to lead us down the path and that you would help us to be followers of you not to do our own thing, not to go off on our own path, not to come against you, but to follow you faithfully. Empower each and every one of us in this room to be a follower of you and to know you and to know your love and your mercy and your grace as we do. I would lift off condemnation and legalism in the name of Jesus off of everyone here that they will not be under the bondage of having to do more or do better, but they would know you your grace and your mercy. And as they would follow you, they would just not walk in darkness anymore. And then God, empower us supernaturally to reach the lost in this community. God, right now, put on uh, to our hearts and our minds those that maybe we've hurt or offended or maybe that we've done it poorly with that we might go and reconcile and change. And then give us a new way of reaching out to the lost, of not letting it, them feel like that we're targeting people but God, that you would give us a heart for the lost and compassion and help people to see you for who you are and follow you. God, help us to just be followers. God, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We need it. God, help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you. God, as each of us in this room personally grow one step closer to you, 
As we leave here, help us also help those that we come in contact with grow one step closer to you as well. Bring us back safely as we gather together in our life groups this week and talk about true spirituality, true discipleship. Empower us, live in and through us as we're followers of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.